0: back to Creative Blessings. We are on episode seven. I am welcoming back Father Nico Becris, as usual, and we have a, actually, our first-time guest. So this is a, uh, this is a monumentous day for Creative Blessings, and it seems tech is working well so far. Uh, we have Daniel Silver, uh, who is the organizer of a fandom conference for Christians, uh, including Orthodox, uh, called Doxicon. So, um, Daniel, tell me a little bit about yourself, and um, we'll go from there. So, I'm a convert to
1: Orthodoxy. I grew up Protestant. I I fell away from the faith in college, and then through some friends, found my way into Orthodoxy. That was back in 2010. Um, I've been a student, teacher, lobbyist, political consultant, filmmaker Mm -hmm. in the D.C. area, just trying my hand at everything. And...
0: I started Doxicon back in 2013. That's great. So uh, this is your well fifth year for the DC show, uh, or the the Virginia DC area, and then there's one in Seattle, correct?
1: That is correct. Uh, the Seattle's been going every year, so they they're on their fifth one this year. This is our uh, fourth one. Oh, fourth we're going one. Every, every, every we're going we've gone every other year
0: before now. And um, what brought you to the to bring this to orthodoxy, the idea of a, a fan conference, whether it be, you know, comics, pop culture, Star Trek, Star Wars, gaming, what uh, what what was the impetus for you, so to speak? I, I mean, I know we all are geeks, we will admit <laughs> all that, all three of us sitting here, but what, what yeah. made you want to bring it to the church?
1: Well, for me growing up, um, I wasn't, I wasn't encouraged to be interested in these things. And and I was actually kind of discouraged by Mm -hmm. some people growing up. Uh, My parents were into these things, but it was kind of a separate thing. So, you know, we had our faith and then we had our interest in sci fi and fantasy Mm -hmm. and, you know, the the two shouldn't meet. And and I was discouraged from things like role playing. You know, I I grew up during kind of the the, the second Mm -hmm. satanic panic about Dungeons and Dragons. And I was told not to do that, and you know that was evil. And so when I became got into orthodoxy and I started you know cutting in touch with these people in orthodoxy who are real geeks, you know, and I found out my my priest and his wife are really into that. my My priest is actually, you know runs his own Dungeons and Dragons game um every <laughs> month. And so that was that was really news to me. and And yeah. so I started talking to him about these things and he had grown up in a similar thing he he was actually part of the first you know satanic panic about dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. and and so and so he understood that and so we said you know, it would be really interesting if we had a place where people could come Mm -hmm. and it would be safe to discuss these things and we could encourage, you know, examination of popular culture. And it was about the time of Comic-Con, and so we said, wouldn't it be interesting if we had, like, a conference like that? Ha, 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 ha. And we didn't think anything of it Mm -hmm. until his wife, uh, Pretasa Stephanie, you know, heard about the idea and just fell in love with it and really pushed us to to do our first one and so that was back in 2012 we said let's give ourselves a year to plan it and in 2013 we had our first oxygon god bless the women god bless the (laughs) presby
0: i was just about to say so often
2: how often is it the wife of the priest that initiates something awesome within the church
0: (laughs) yeah very great that's all that's an awesome story um yeah, I, I guess also probably your age bracket and and you, father. I guess Harry Potter also brought that to light too. That there was like a lot of controversy over like darkness versus you know the good. And I remember there was like a backlash when Harry Potter books first came out. In the first movie it was like, "Ooh, the young kids shouldn't be watching this," um, you know. And, and I think it kind of it died off as as the movie um, genre took took its own form. But it's still popular. Um, you know, franchise. I I don't think the younger kids, like my seven-year-old, he's watched a couple of movies, but he's not into it. Like my nephews and nieces, I think I'm still waiting to see what his generation is going to latch on to, other than the superheroes of you know the Marvel Universe or DC. But, uh, like, you know, my brother grew up with Star Trek. I was a kid of the 70s and grew up with Star Wars. So, you know, I think, but Dungeons & Dragons is unique in the sense that it has spanned many, many decades now. And um, it seems to have had had quite a resurgence, and especially tabletop gaming in the past, I guess, five to ten years since the millennium. A lot more young people and adults alike. Um, I know there's a group around here that, uh one of our scout leaders has to take his son who's twelve or thirteen years old to the the games because you know there's older people in the games he's like i can't leave him there by himself so you know it's interesting how uh you know that has continued on now I noticed too and you sent me a little bit of aspect you you were into um you know science fiction would you say and, and fantasy would you say doxicon um encompasses a lot of different kinds of fandom or is it is it more gaming or is it is a focus on you know the creative aspect writing and the art and the different uh avenues of say movies and comics or or is there just a main focus for you uh in the way you're going to relate it to theology at the conference
1: i think that what We did when we founded our our vision was to kind of walk a line between fandom and academic conferences, actually. Mm -hmm. We were really inspired by the medieval Congress up in Michigan that happens every year that kind of has that – academic feel to it and so we've always said we want to go deeper we want to examine these things on on a deep level and we've had a mostly focus on fantasy i'd say so Mm -hmm. we we did have a harry potter year one year um this year however is actually space sci-fi and so Mm -hmm. we've when looking for speakers i've made sure to get uh sci-fi oh. speakers we don't do gaming as much we, we haven't had a topic on like role-playing games yet uh i know doxcon seattle has more of a focus on gaming mm-hmm. and they've done that more but we tend to be very broad as far as literature comics movies that kind of thing we, we we're, mm-hmm. we're we've branch out to a lot of different things. Well, what, father, also, what father hasn't oh,
0: told you even though he's fluent in Greek, he's also fluent in Klingon. no I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so also, How is only, your god? Only when I do
2: Only when I do weddings. No. <laughs>
1: Um, so we're we're currently at the uh, Greek Orthodox Cathedral in DC, Saint Sophia's, and the way we found that was um, Father Zorzos, who's the the head priest there, came to our attention because during the Paschal greetings, uh, um, he actually does them in Klingon, uh, uh, and so I guess
0: I I guess I was on track there somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. That's a that's a new one.
1: Our, our our priest father, David, draws the line at just doing Elvis. He doesn't do Klingon. Okay. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man. That's great. That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, tell me more. Tell me more about like the kind of guests you bring in, and uh, are you trying to do something different each year or build on the same theme of fantasy? Um, I know with my personal show, and we'll get into that a little later, Like we're always trying to kind of think outside the box, so to speak.
1: So, what we generally do is we generally try to pick a theme. And so, in past years, we've done like Harry Potter, we've done Narnia, we, we're doing spaces here, we did Tolkien the first year. Mm-hmm. And so, it is a little more fantasy focused. But what we'll generally do is I'll, I'll reach out to speakers that I know are interested, especially for our clergy keynote and our lay keynote speakers and then we'll have an open call to papers where just anybody can can do it because we really want it to be a community focused event community driven event and so we have a lot of really interesting speakers this year actually my the keynote speaker i think is going to be one of my favorites he is a uh daniel otto jackson peterson and he is a current phd student in glasgow scotland where he's pursuing his PhD in the ecology of monsters, um, how monsters influence the uh, environment and literature. And so he's going to be speaking on um, Guillermo del Toro Mm -hmm. and R.A. Lafferty. And so it's just these wonderful, um, you know, horror and thriller writers and and creators and just how they're uh, either Catholic background or specific Catholic faith, in, in the case of Ari e. Lafferty, you know, influences their their writings, and so it's really it's really quite interesting.
0: So, are you drawing in not just Orthodox but Catholic, Protestants, all denominations of Christianity?
1: Yes, we yes we have a lot of speakers from from all kinds of different traditions, and so um, we always have a cler- We always have an Orthodox clergy keynote speaker, and then we will. Um, bring in Catholic and Protestant speakers. So our, our keynote speaker this year is is Protestant, uh, but we have several Catholic writers as
0: well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That, that's that's interesting, the diversity, seeing different viewpoints from the different faiths, I'm sure, denominations. How about you, Father? How about you ask a couple questions here?
2: Well, um, this is all really interesting stuff, and it makes me excited to go next month. I think that it's going to be... Um, I, I love what you said, Daniel, when you bring up the topic of um, you know, you wanted to kind of straddle the line between pop culture and kind of academic, because you know, as 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 we all know, in so many of these writings, mostly most famously, probably with Tolkien and Lewis, um, they were very academic. They read at seminaries. Um, their work, you know, they did they did nonfiction, they did fiction. C.S. Lewis is so famous. Um, you know, I know that when I I had Protestant friends in college and high school that would just speak the world of him, and he grew up. Sorry, he well, he grew up also, but but he, he wrote in the time of kind of when high church Anglicanism was really popular um, and, and very prominent and very close to orthodoxy for that matter. So it obviously influenced and informed a lot of his writing. And there's it's just rich, I mean, you know, from my standpoint as, as a, a, a pastor, as a priest of a church, you know, you always try to find new ways to speak to the era that we live in. And and try to kind of connect with people a message that is timeless, but maybe framed in such a way that is, you know, um, topical of our day, you know, so, um, you know, pop culture is part of that, whether it's superheroes. I mean, just two Sundays ago and I'm actually posted the audio of a sermon on my blog, but um, just two Sundays ago, I, I started a sermon by talking about a scene from. Man of Steel. That's not an every. That's not an every Sunday thing. Uh, that is not an every Sunday thing. Although as, as much as I'd love it to be, I could I could talk about um, sports and and comic books every Sunday. But um, you know, just to lead into the message. But um, anyway, but anyway, but so talking about uh, analyzing you know these messages from the standpoint of pop culture is so fantastic. So many of these stories are informed by, you know, even, you know, Christian messages because the Western world has been shaped by Christianity. Um, whether known or unknown to us, um, there are there, are, there are lots of stories with Messiah figures. There's lots of stories with kind of baptism references and so many others. So I always love studying that um, from that standpoint, from the standpoint of, you know, preaching. I love studying it from the standpoint of just kind of analyzing Something as if you would do at a university class. I loved that about seminary and undergrad. It was a lot of fun. So I'm really glad to hear that um, that Doxicon is focusing on that. And and I got to tell you, I mean, I think if if you're the main person bringing speakers in, I mean, you're to be commended because I saw the the slate for this year. I mean, my goodness, it just sounds like a, an all star team. Um, Steve photo is going to be there. You guys got some clergy there, but the topics are wonderful. I mean, I, I was I couldn't believe somebody was talking about Dune. Either. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> if, I love. I'm an, I'm psyched for that. <laughs> There's yeah. so much so, in so Dune. Yeah, great great job with
2: great job with that stuff. I mean, I'm, it, it sounds like you guys are really well rounded and and have a great focus and and it's uh, something that's being very well received.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. It's it's been a real. Pleasure getting to know some of these speakers, and we've brought several of them back um, as they, you know, they have more than one topic to talk about, and, and it's been great. Uh, this is actually our second Dune talk at Doxicon. Um, Father David actually
0: gave a Dune talk at the first Doxicon. Nice, awesome. Are they going to be recording these talks by any chance? Because I know my brother would love to hear this, and I don't think he can make it down that week. He would love to hear the. He's a huge Dune fan.
1: Yes, we we record them every year, and then Ancient Faith Radio has been has been wonderful and has been put, has put them up every year.
0: Awesome, awesome, great, excellent. So we'll we'll probably link to that then when we yeah. when we do our coverage. So, would you? How would you say? Does it like here's a, we're going to be giving you a plug here for Doxicon. If someone were to come to Doxicon, what do they? What can they expect when they get to uh, the church or end or venue of the hall? What, what, what do they? What will they have to um, experience when they get there?
1: So we make a real effort to do decorations f- with the theme for the, for the Doxicon for that year, and so you know we've dressed it up like the dining hall from Harry Potter. Before mm-hmm. we've done it like the. Um, the forest and Narnia. So when you come out, you walk, walk into a winter wonderland. We built like a, a lamppost one year. Uh, this year we're going to be doing the cantina from Star Wars oh, from most hey. Um And so we just put a lot of effort into kind of making it a spectacular just looking. So you see that right away. But then the other thing you're going to be getting is, you, is you're going to be getting a lot of people who think, like you and who feel about these genres the same way you do. They're they're just big fans, but they're also interested in connecting it to their faith. And that's what Father David and I, our vision really was, because that was something that we were lacking when we grew up. and, And we really, you know, we really want other people to be able to experience this wonderful fellowship and, and not have to compartmentalize, you know, these these loves and these interests anymore. Mm-hmm.
2: Daniel, I wanted to ask you, um, since we're on the topic now, um, you mentioned it kind of in broad strokes already that you came to Orthodoxy in 2010 and through pr- some friends and you were Protestant beforehand. Do you want to go into a little more detail about that for us and for our listeners? I mean, do you want to talk about perhaps, um, not to vilify anybody, um, you know, Although the most Eisley Cantina, I mean, is a wretched hive of scum and villains.
0: So. You will never uh, find you know. a more wretched hive <laughs> Yeah, and, I know. Han, and and said just, the, just to dispel the myth, Han shot first. There is no re-editing. Agreed, agreed. Agree. <laughs> There's
2: no argument there. Um, but I don't know what that says about the guest attending when it's most Eisley. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just, I just um, anyway, but no, honestly, um, just to bring it back, do you want to talk about maybe – what your upbringing was like and what denomination you were in beforehand, and maybe a little more in detail about what attracted you to Orthodoxy and how you became Orthodox.
1: Sure. So uh, I grew up um, in the military, in the Air Force, and so I moved around a lot. I was born in the Philippines, actually, and then I moved to Alabama, Texas, England, Germany, and then Virginia. I grew up in a lot of different denominations. Uh, my father and the one that we did primarily was called the Plymouth Brethren. And so we did that. Um, we were Presbyterian, Baptist, uh, non-denominational. And so I kind of grew up in a lot of different different places. And there was kind of this dislike of sci-fi and fantasy. So, So to to show how far I've come a little bit, um, I was actually one of those people who was like, Harry Potter is demonic and you shouldn't read it. I I, I got into huge fights with friends mm. in in high school actually about that, where they were reading Harry Potter, and I was like, you shouldn't be reading that. Um, and so I was part of the problem at some, at some of the time. And when I got to college, I, I went to a small Christian college called uh, Patrick Henry College, very evangelical. And there was just a lot of hypocrisy there. Like when you – when you kind of have people who've been kind of stunted all their life and, you know, told they can't do things and just a lot of control over them and then you send them to college and there's no one there to do that anymore, they kind of go wild. And so, you know, I saw a lot of hypocrisy from these people who said they were Christians. And, and I started going to this mega church and it just turned me off to Christianity completely and. Um, but at the same time, I was taking theology classes. I was taking history classes, and I, you know, and it really opened up my mind to the, ask the question, you know, where is that church from the Book of Acts? Where, where did it go? Is it still around? Um, and I kind of left that for a while, and then, and then I read. Uh, I actually read an interesting book. It was a, t- a Reason for God by Timothy Keller. Love a that present, book.
2: It's Sorry amazing. It's a it's a wonderful book. Um, almost the entirely orthodox, even though he's Presbyterian or whatever. That's my that's my go to book for catechumens who are coming from no background with religion.
1: Yes, it's an excellent book, and so I read that, and you know, it convinced me God is real, and that I need to be in a church. I need to be a part of a community, and so I started asking my friends, and one of my friends who had gone to college, um, she gave me. Uh, Facing East by Jake Matthew Greens. Um, and in it I found the Church of the Book of Acts, you know, and and I, and I found this historical, apostolic, you know, Catholic universal church, and it was just exactly what I was looking for. And, you know, the focus on the Eucharist and and just the the beauty of of the sacrament, especially confession, for me just drew me in, and so I was, I read the book in one night, and the next day I called a friend and was like, can I come to church with you this weekend? And so I I go in and I walk in, and St. Mary's is is a small parish, but we just, we have icons, just floor to ceiling, there's a wonderful iconostasis, we have a beautiful choir, and so when I walked in, the choir started singing, and I just felt like it was angels, and I, I I understood for the first time what St. Paul meant when he said, "You know, the cloud of witnesses. I, I could see all the saints. I could feel the saints there, and i I could feel you know this is the the past, the present, and the future church and and it just and and it was amazing. And so I became I started going every time the doors opened, I became a catechumen within three weeks, actually,
2: yeah. and then
1: i was I was chrismated the next uh, next holy Saturday.
2: Wow! Fantastic. So how long how long was the catechism?
1: Uh, s- six months, uh, which is not <laughs> not ideal, but uh, but you know, I I I told my priest, and I decided that I I had been looking for a lot longer than I knew, and so it, it was it was good timing.
0: Well, what I find is that people that are even cradle Orthodox may not have that um, draw or feel that you are exhibiting, uh, maybe till much later in life, but. Uh, if ever you know, some people uh, go through the motions in any church, but um, I, I find uh, a lot of the converts I know with my wife. She, you know, she was from a Methodist Protestant background and converted uh, to our faith, and you know, she has really embraced it. And she's really part of our community. She teaches Sunday school, and I think you know it's 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 great to see that. Um, and it, it's her wanting to do it. It's not because it's she married me or, you know, she was appeasing anybody. Um, she was already very faithful in her own, fa- her denom- um, excuse me, denomination. Uh, and she, what drew her, I think there was a lot of similarities, she said, and this made sense to her. And there was that, um, that history that lacked in the Methodist mm. Church that drew her into saying, this makes sense. We're, let's go back and see where it all started. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, father, I didn't mean to control.
2: <laughs> no, not at all. I think that's wonderful because you're you know, Janet has that experience as well. Um, Daniel, no, I was gonna say six months is not I mean, everybody's different. I know that some priests um, put a timetable on catechism and, and that's fine. Um, because quite honestly, it sounds like you were already doing some catechism on your own by reading Keller and some other books that your friends had recommended to you. Yeah. So um, you said that St. Mary's is the church that you go to now and is the church where you first experienced orthodoxy? That is correct, yes. So you have you always lived—I mean, have you been living in the area long then?
1: Um, I've been living in the area since
2: 2001.
1: Um, I, I moved out to Toronto for a couple months uh, trying to make it go of that, and that didn't work out. So I, I moved back about a year ago. Um, so I, I have lived in some other parishes for a little bit, but St. But Mary's has been my primary parish.
2: So, so important that we have a home base and not, not to hop around or anything, you know, but to, yeah, I, I really believe in, I mean, the church is the church anywhere you go, but anywhere you go, I, 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 firmly believe in finding one parish and, and sticking it out, even if it's not exactly perfect. I mean, no, no church is perfect any more than any human being is perfect or any, you know, any spouse is perfect. Um, You're always going to find compatibilities and incompatibilities and that's okay. But, you know, staying in. Sticking it out, sticking it out, and supporting it is also very, very important. I try to tell people that as much as possible. So that's that's great to hear that that you found a home there. Um, tell me about this. I didn't know that. I got to be honest. I didn't know there was a D and D panic um, at any point. In what is this? Was this in? in the seventies? I knew when church? I
0: was in. in uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, when I was oh, a yeah. child, there was a huge backlash in the late seventies, early eighties. And it was a very much the Catholic Church at the time, even more so, I think, than the Protestant Church. Uh, it was, I think even the Pope spoke out of, against it. But uh, it was... Well, yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, so it... There was a lot in the Protestant Church as well. Uh, Jack Chick, for example, who does a lot of uh, Protestant tracks, uh, wrote a whole one about uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, But yeah, it was really kicked off by this um, the disappearance of the 16-year-old in 1979, uh, James Dallas Egbert III, um, and he disappeared underneath the utility tunnels. At Michigan State University and it just spiraled out of control and it was like oh my word he was playing Dungeons & Dragons so he went down there to commit satanic rituals and and died and, and, and D&D caused him to do that and so there was a lot of moral panic about it and people were saying you know this is clearly satanic and and people are performing rituals and the Satanists are using it to recruit people to become witches and Wiccans and things like that and um, Adventures in Odyssey, which is a, a famous radio drama for, for Protestants uh, with, from Focus on the Family, had a two-part episode uh, called Castles and Cauldrons, where they sh- they did a radio drama where the players were actually performing satanic rituals and summoning demons. And they said, this is actually what happens in, in D&D. <laughs> mm.
0: Wow. <laughs> There's actually a TV movie not it wasn't uh, satanism but Tom Hanks played the lead role Um, it was called Mazes and Monsters and they took the stance that he had um, he got so wrapped up in the game that he mentally went into the game and started hallucinating and then he wound up in a mental hospital at the end uh, and his friends came to visit him at the end but they noticed he stayed in the game as his character and that was So that was like one of those made-for-TV movies. I remember it was, you know, did you see that? We were 13 years old. This is why you shouldn't play Dungeons & Dragons. That kind of thing.
2: (laughs) Sounds like my Goya after Pokemon Go. Yes. (laughs) Just joking. That's okay. You know, um, that's... uh, yeah, growing up in I mean granted I don't, I don't know how often you know geek culture came up in, in the church. I mean there was lots of stuff that you know came up in the church. I mean growing up growing up in the Greek Orthodox Church anyway, I don't think we ever talked about pop culture very much or you know unless maybe the priest was meeting with the, the youth group and was just bringing it up as just a conversation starter or something. The only thing I can ever remember um, uh, I, I don't know if my priest talked about this, but my wife's priest for sure, um, just mentioned one time to a Sunday school class about Ouija boards, um, which I think, well, yeah, I'm not. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I think there's some, there's some, there might be some basis there. Um, but other than that, I mean, I've never heard anything about um, Harry Potter or anything else. So, yeah. the Lawn Father. This is our, this is our gardener outside. Uh, yes. yes, he's he's mowing down. He's mowing down D and D fans. No.
0: I'm <laughs> Keep going," he says on a note to me. <laughs> what do you feel? Um, where do you see doxicon going? And if if you could have anybody as a guest, who uh, or if you haven't already, who would you like to have? You know that maybe you uh, f- would find as like, oh, this I have to have this person as a guest.
1: Oh wow, that's a big question. Um, so where it's going? Um we're actually in a in a little bit of a of a bind because we have seen ticket sales dropping in recent years okay. and so um if I could see where it's going i th- I think we need to focus on more local engagement and and more local parishes coming and you know engaging lots of other people i I, I would love to see this happen more. We actually tried to expand into Toronto a couple of years ago um and th- and that didn't go anywhere so i would I would love to see. Us go to more cities and maybe become more of a local thing. It's it's hard to bring people, you know, all the way from California out for this, sure. and and so I, I would love to see more local Doxicons pop up. We we tried to start one in Toronto, Houston, and and so I would love to see that. Um, as far as speakers, um, you know, I would actually love my, my, one of my favorite series is the Dresden Files by Jim mm. Butcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he has one of the best kind of mainstream portrayals of the Catholic faith, actually, because uh, he has several characters in that. Um, he has a priest. He has these uh, what are called Knights of the Cross, and 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 they, they are they fight these demons, and they they each have a weapon forged from one of the nails of the cross. You know, and it's you know it's totally made up, obviously, but it's it's just such an interesting thing, and and it has such an interesting arc about redemption because. In the book series, these knights have several opportunities to like kill one of these demons, um, or, or or kill the person who's being possessed by the demons. And they're like, "No, we need to we need to redeem them. We need to save them." And and that's just such a, a such an interesting message. And I think it's so it's so well done. And so I I I would love to have Jim Butcher. That that would be kind of my end all be all kind of speaker.
0: <laughs> great, great. Do you find that you bring in? Um, uh, uh, age range from young to older or is there a certain um focus group you're you're targeting
1: um we tend to get about my age range or a little older we tried to have a teen track a couple years um and that just wasn't as well attended Mm -hmm. um so i i I think i think we're focusing on a slightly older kind of probably about my age range to about your age range um I, i think there's a lot of a lot of interest in those age ranges um, and also the disposable income to come to conferences
0: like this. And so that's, that's a big part of our, our demographics. Do you find mixed men and women or more men or?
1: Um, it's about fifty-fifty. Actually, okay. we 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 have a we have a really good uh, mix of demographics in that. We also have a good mix of demographics in in speakers. I would say our speakers' age range actually tends a little younger. Actually, we we have some younger people who are speaking. So, for example, Lee and Alexis Sergente are are two of our kind of alumni speakers, and they've been speaking for several years, and they they um, are a little younger.
2: One would think, you know, and this is not to sound critical, but one would think that, you know, with the boom of superhero movies and, and popularity nowadays, um, how cool it is to be a geek, um, you know, with, with all these, you know, franchises out there nowadays, that a conference like this would be well received within the church. Maybe it needs a little more backing uh, from uh, maybe the sponsors. hierarchy or, or other, sure, sponsors, things like that
1: yeah I think that would be a big help um, the, the hierarchs have actually been very involved from the beginning. One of the things we require when you're starting a doxicon franchise as it were is the backing of one of your hierarchs and so this this event has been blessed by several hierarchs um, and several parishes here in the DC area have have really supported us with that um, i I think in the DC area specifically there's a lot of options for different kind of Fan conventions, and so I, I think we, we might be competing
0: against kind of a crowded market right now. Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot of fandom out there. <laughs> yeah, every weekend there's two or three things going on, if not four.
1: <laughs> but yeah, we, we just we've been trying to get the word out more and more, and I, and I think we have. I, I think I think a lot of people know about Doxicon now. I, I think we just need to
0: make sure that people know when it is and and, and how they can get here. Have, have they brought in, like, like you said they did a Harry Potter thing with the youth, um, have they brought in like um, the youth groups or Goya specifically or were not as official as that like group uh, visitors? Um,
1: we've had, uh, Goya has worked with us before and advertised it. Um, we could definitely have more of a formal relationship with them I think and and trying to get more advertising but yeah i i think that's something we can work on you know none of us have run a conference before too and so we're, we're kind of figuring this out as we sure. go and and i you know and it's been helpful to talk to to people like yourself who have run conferences
0: and and, and get some help and so i'm oh we're, I'm, s- I'm, we're I'm, still learning too. trust me <laughs> <laughs> you're can, every, can learn for- you learn every year something different <laughs> yeah
1: so I feel, like, I feel like we're learning every year, um, we, we just need to, we're, we're just still playing catch-up a little
0: bit. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you, like you said, you do have a lot of competition out there. Uh, you know, uh, geekdom, so to speak, has become mainstream. So you have, actually the week after you, down in Baltimore area, is FairyCon, which the Frouds host that created the Dark Crystal, uh, worked with Henson. And, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, you have all these other types of cons popping up, not just sci, you know, it used to be Star Trek conventions and Star Wars conventions, sci-fi. And then, you know, the Comic Cons were so different when I was young. Now they, you know, if the, the mega ones, yes, are New, New York Comic con San Diego, uh, C2E2, Emerald City, those kinds. But then you still have the smaller cons, uh, that, you know, a lot of people like going to as well because, uh, they may have an artist or a guest writer there. They can have more of a one-on-one. I'll get lost in a crowd of, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands. I mean, I, I actually didn't go to New York Comic Con this year because last year was so overwhelming. I was like, I had my Pro Badge. I'm like, you know what? I really don't feel like ducking the crowds. It's just like you get into this cattle call, and it's hot. You know, you get, like, a little claustrophobic. Yeah. Uh, Children unfortunately get stomped on, and mm. I don't know why they don't have a separate area for kids. Uh, and you know, they have a lot of celebrities there. Um, I, of course, enjoy more cons like yourself, uh, creative conferences, things like that, where it's more intimate and you get to know people. Um, these mega cons, I think, are I don't know, I, th- I don't know how long they're gonna really last because I, I think they're, I mean, they make a lot of money. But from what I'm understanding, people are not spending as much, you know, because they have to pay to get in. Uh, you know, they're not buying as much from artists and vendors. They're more going for photographs with sign, um, photo ops and getting signed photographs with celebrities. So it's become more celebrity cons, the bigger cons, like San Diego Comic-Con and such. Um, so everybody, you to each his own. And, then you, you know, you have, I think there's a con for every, there's a quilt con. In yeah, New yeah. They make quilts, you know. It's like, I think there's a con for everything these days. There is.
2: Still it sounds um like this is, you know, I had a professor at seminary who said we have to be in dialogue with our age. We shouldn't mm. shun, we shouldn't we shouldn't shun the the world around us or what's going on. We should we should you know, use it you know, for the church's message. And I mean, he would quote all the all time. I mean, all the time, um, the fathers of the third and fourth century, for instance, that would use Plato and Homer, um, you know, to convey their message. And we know for a fact that a lot of the fathers wrote and spoke in such a way as to, you know, evoke kind of Hellenistic thought that was already there. And, and, um, you know, in the Hellenistic world, you know, and when I say Hellenistic, I don't mean just the culture. I mean, really like what was being, what was written and what was being read and what was being conveyed as stories in the, in the time. Um, the fathers really um, understood it, they embraced it, and they, you know, they tried to, you know, use it for, to spread the Christian faith and it really worked. And, and he said, you know, one of the thi- one of the traps that we can fall into as Orthodox is to, to kind of, you know, kind of put up barriers or shun those things, um, rather than using those things as a way of conveying the message, and that's one of those things I've always enjoyed doing myself, and and I think that you know events like this should be supported for
0: that reason. And um, also, Daniel, uh, father knows this as well, but to our listeners, um, has started a podcast as well called DoxaCast, and I've been listening to a few, and I, I really liked the title of episode four, "May the Fos." The light be with you, <laughs> Tofos. And uh, it was it, it, these are little, these are really good episodes, and they have uh, you know different topics in each. And uh, where do you see that going with your your podcast? What do you hope for it?
1: Um, well, we started that as a way to try and engage with our audience a little more and kind of draw people in and educate them about what Doxicon is about, and you know this kind of meeting of the academic and the theological and so I, I think we're coming up on our kind of f- first season we're probably going to end it a little bit and then we'll we'll start with a new cast um afterwards after after this doxicon i think father david and i are going to record one more episode um i'm looking for a new host right now unfortunately my 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 current co-host um Addie mena uh just had her first child and oh. so she's a little bit bu- little busy right now um but yeah, we're we're just looking. We're hoping to get more topics. Uh, I think we covered a lot of different topics, and so I think there's something for everyone there.
0: Great. Well, I, I had a personal question. Well, not personal, but about Doxicon. I know Father Mission, Stephen Christopher. Did you come across him from his podcast or from Be the Bee, his YouTube channel for Orthodoxy?
1: Um, I I had seen him on Be the B before, <laughs> but um. Uh, we're actually we have some mutual friends of his from from col- when he was at college, and so mm-hmm. um, I, I contacted him through them actually, and so uh, yeah. But we've been we've been talking for a couple of years about this uh, almost, since the first Doxicon actually about him coming, and so th- th- this year we finally got
0: him. It's funny, and it's it's almost like he's like um, a celebrity at my church because like all the youth educators watch him, yeah, and my wife. Uh, Was supposed to be there for an event they do like a a bag Bingo charity event and I Mm -hmm. said you're not going this year. We have to go to doxicon and she's like, "Oh, really?" I said, "Well, you're gonna get to meet father." She's like, "Oh, that's great!" I said, "And guess who else?" And she goes, "Who?" I said, "Steve." And she like jumped up, like she was like a like a fan. <laughs> so, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" Yeah,
1: we're we're really excited. We're really excited to get him for for Doxicon this year. And and his his topic sounds amazing. He's talking about space, and you know, and for our theme of sci-fi this year, so awesome. No Janet's reaction Janet's
2: reaction sounds like mine when I hear any news about Superman.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Father is this, the the uh the biggest fan of Superman I have met. <laughs> and I've met some big fans. <laughs> Wow, I'm honored. <laughs>
2: Daniel, Daniel, before we let you go, I just wanted to um, ask, um, you know, from the fan side of things, uh, what would you say you're most a fan of? I mean, we t- we have, there's a lot on the table. Um, do you have one thing that kind of is more, you're more passionate about than others? One TV show that, or, or, or movie or something that's been your favorite in your life? Um,
1: in my life, I, I would say I, I grew up reading Isaac Asimov, actually. I, I, read, oh, all yeah. of, I read all Fantastic. of his books. I read all of his books when I was a young kid, and, and that just really installed a, a love of sci-fi for me and and storytelling. And these days, I, I would say I'm most into to role-playing games such as Dungeons & Dragons or, or Dread or some other stuff. And and so I, I would say that's what I'm really into these days. But I, I, I try to keep up on a lot of the different sci-fi and fantasy books. I'm, I'm a big reader and so and so I'm I'm always have my kindle out reading reading those
0: so do you think I hear well I hear they're putting are trying to put a movie together about foundation do you have you heard anything more about it being a theatrical release or mini series Isaac Asimov's foundation
1: so it's it's a mini series right now is what they're shopping it out around as uh-huh. um but I don't believe it's been picked up yet it's still in kind of the the rumors and pre-production
0: stage yeah that's a, that's a, that's like a, to me that's another uh, very epic kind of story like Dune. I think Dune needs to be like a Game of Thrones on HBO to really do it properly. I know Dennis Villeneuve or however pronounced something did Blade Runner, and um, uh, what was the other movie he directed? Uh, I mean, he great cinematographer. He wants to do Dune mm. in, a, in a movie and then possibly bring it into a series. But I felt like the one that was with um, David Lynch, just was not my cup of tea. You know, it just yeah, it was just weird. And wasn't I think,
2: most people's cup of tea. No, and I think <laughs> the
0: the Sci-Fi Channel's versions were okay, but they, they, were okay. They, they were they missed a lot of things. I think they didn't capture the feel yet. And thank God Jodorowsky did not do his Dune. That would have been a psychedelic nightmare. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I'm looking forward to you know, I, what was it? iRobot was made with Will Smith and I, I I didn't think that Oh, that was horrible. That was not
2: yeah. but I should I should note I should note that uh, here's some geek trivia for you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna flex my muscles and ruin my street cred here. But uh, iRobot, even though the title is based off an Asimov book, was actually based off a fifties episode of the Outer Limits called iRobot um where anyway without going too much into it but um the title is asimov the story was from the outer limits in the 50s but doesn't make the movie any better it was still it was still garbage but anyway <laughs> yeah um, i was going to say i love i loved foundation the, and especially the initial trilogy actually i think lucas has already said that it inspired the original star wars trilogy and like um asimov i should say like the star wars trilogy Asimov wrote the middle stories first, and then went back and did the prequels, and I think that's where George yeah, Lucas yeah. got the idea. But um, I, I got to be honest, I don't see how you can make that into a miniseries. It's so historical. I mean, it it spans thousands of years, yeah. um, or or you know centuries and millennia. So you have to have kind of a different main character every couple episodes. And uh, you know, I mean, it could be very interesting, but I just don't see how they can do it without turning it into one big soap opera or kind of well, watering it down. Watch how I feel down. about
0: Dune when yeah. I, you know, when I read Dune and I go back and read it's like. How did he write this book? I mean, it's oh it's even more convoluted than Game of Thrones, you know. And, you know, um you know, the author of Game of Thrones has a, a fan he hired that created a flowchart in his in his studio to tell him that you can't do this if you're writing, you know, because he's still writing the stories. Because <laughs> this person died at this point. And supposedly. It's really, yeah, supposedly. And this is related to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me some of these mindsets. Like, how do they even come up with all these intricacies? And I didn't see that coming. But it, it's pretty amazing to me. Um it well, yeah, it's great stuff. So, uh, Daniel, tell tell our listeners more about the dates of Doxicon, uh if they can still get tickets, um, can they get tickets at the door? If not, what do they and you know, any any more details you can
1: so the dates are going to be november 2nd and 3rd uh november 2nd is a friday we'll be having the clergy keynote then uh with a small reception and then saturday is really the main event where we'll have all of our speakers and our our lunch and our dinner um you can get tickets until this sunday I, i don't know when this episode is airing uh so october 21st um if you come to the door uh we don't sell tickets to the door but if you if you come we can sell you like a special no meals ticket Mm -hmm. where you can just come to the sessions if you want but uh if you can get your tickets uh, online before
0: the 21st so am i going to be able to get like um romulan ale and (laughs) guck you might be able to we've 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 done romulan ale in the past uh Blue blue, blue Powerade. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Um, Actually, Father, I I created a couple trivia questions for Daniel. I thought, since he's our our guest this time, we always do the trivia between the Mm -hmm. two of us. So I created a couple, well, three of them for him. And let's see if he gets them. Oh, my phone's ringing now. Hang on one second. Let me pull my...
2: Honestly, I thought we would have skipped the trivia this time because we have an interview. But I'm happy to hear that we're still doing it, Daniel. I don't know if Chris (laughs) is giving you—I don't know if Chris is giving you a heads up on whatever the topic is. But we'll we'll do the best. None. None at all.
0: None at all. I even better. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. I forgot to put that receiver out of the room. All right, where's my notes here? All right, now these might be easy for you, maybe not. I don't know. Two are from Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. And one is from Star Trek. Oh, okay. What does T? What does TSR stand for, or what did it originally stand for?
1: Oh, oh, I just, oh, I should know this. I just read the Gary Gygax graphic novel,
0: so. Um, uh. Can you give me a hint? <laughs> okay, it starts with tactical. Oh,
1: tactical. Mm. Studies rule. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, no, I. That's uh, all right. That's
0: all right. You're making me lose all my cred here. Um, okay. <laughs> Number yeah, two. No D and D for two. you. <laughs> Number two. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Number two. This actually, you may not get this. This was actually from the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon back in the '80s, and it was about a bunch oh, of boy. kids who took were on a roller coaster ride in a amusement park and landed in Dungeons and Dragons land. And there was the Dungeon Master, the evil guy was Venger, there was a Cavalier, there was the Barbarian, there was the uh sorceress, and then there was a little animal that was their like mascot. What was its name and what kind of animal was it? Oh,
1: uh I think it was a unicorn?
0: That's right. That?
1: Okay. And you know uh, the name? I don't remember the name. Uni. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're, oh. Yeah,
0: okay. yeah. That was one of my favorite board cartoons board. growing up. That and Thundar the Barbarian, which was uh, <laughs> which was another kind of uh, sci-fi meets fantasy. I uh, did not actually have a TV growing up, so oh I, I have gosh. an excuse for that. <laughs> okay, well that is oh. that is a good excuse. And you know, the, Thunder
2: actually. Um, it's interesting because, first of all, Dungeons and Dragons—the cartoon—I heard has a it still has a very strong following. It's got a big cult following. Yeah, I have it on um, the
0: DVD, the whole set. Yeah.
2: I never, I never saw it myself, but that's maybe because I wasn't into the games growing up. The um, stories still, are I'm great. The
0: animations, meh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, Thundar is good stories too because they had really good writers, and that they kind of based on Conan, and you know, and Commandi. Yeah. Exactly. So. You know, I
2: was I was going to say that Thundar and a couple of action cartoons around the same time were done by Jack Kirby in retirement. Yes. So he when oh, he stopped wow. when he stopped with comics, I think he was hired. You know, by some of these animation yeah, companies was, to yeah. start. He didn't. He didn't do. The, he didn't write the show, but he and there was he wasn't the first one. I think Alex Toth, you know, was the guy who did a lot of the Hanna Barbera stuff in the '60s. But um, they brought in Kirby to design all the characters and the whole world and everything.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Great. Yeah. Little fun fact. So my last question for you is actually a Star Trek one. Okay. Um how did they get the name the Jeffries tube? The Jeffries tube. Uh
1: the first someone got stuck in one of them
0: and died, and his name was Jeffries. <laughs> <laughs> Good guess, but no, that's not the answer. <laughs> he was one of the um Designers, designers of the uh, Enterprise, and Matthew Jeffries. So they okay. kind of gave it homage to him. They called it the Jeffries Two. So, nice, yeah, and that has remained ever since in all the Star Treks. Wow. Yes. Um, so uh, good, you got one right. You got Uni, you know, the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> so one out of three. Yeah. Uh, And since we're speaking of fantasy, I'm just going to give a shout out to my friends Patrick and Jeannie who organized LuxCon, or as it's known as IX. It's a large fantasy art show uh, containing over 200 artists, original works, 75 of them traditional painters like Boris Vallejo, um, Neil Adams is actually exhibiting there, Uh, big names like Brahm and Julie Bell, uh, Scott Fisher, Mark Sheff. All the big names in fantasy art, imaginative realism as they call it, over the next five days in Reading, Pennsylvania at the Gog Works Art Center and at the Doubletree Hotel they'll have the night showcase for um, artists coming in who are emerging artists and those that were not juried into the main show. And they allow digital artists and the main show really focuses on traditional art and collectors from all over the world come by and come by these fantasy paintings. it's a really good conference. They have great programming. In fact, my attorney and friend is uh, screening Eye of the Beholder, which is a documentary that he and his wife and business partner created uh, about the art of Dungeons & Dragons. And they'll be screening that Thursday. And uh, he'll also be speaking on legal contracts for creatives. And he's giving one-on-one legal reviews for artists and creators how to protect yourself and maybe form LLCs and things so if you're in the Reading area you can always stop in it's $25 to get in for the Friday and Saturday portion of the show um, a, a lot of good people a lot of talented so I'm, it's a very best kept secret I'm like it's amazing how this more and more people are finding out about it so then they're in their 11th year and these this couple knows really how to put a, a show together mm. they're, they're just great people and uh, we're looking forward to Doxicon. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but you know I've known Father for about two and a half years now. But this will be the first time we're actually meeting in person. We've only been Skyping. So oh, that's great. Yeah. So that's what's the beauty of um, technology and social media and everything. You get to meet people from all around the world. And I, that's my show, Artisticon. I would not have been able to get the people I did or do any of it if I didn't have access to social media. So. A lot of people get down on social media and all the negativity. But I think that, you know, Doxicon, my show, these other types, you know, our podcasts, there's a lot of positivity. You just got to find it. You got you to gotta seek it out. Wouldn't you agree, Father?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it definitely has its uses. And, uh, Daniel, thank you again from me. I don't... Forgive me, I don't remember if it was you or Father David who asked me to be the, the clergy keynote for next year at Doxicon. But uh, either way, just wanted to thank you again for that opportunity and say that I'm looking forward to it.
0: Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, look forward to seeing you in, well, I guess, three weeks. Okay. All God right. bless. Is, is it that <laughs> soon? <laughs> yeah. Don't panic. <laughs> don't let them see you sweat. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Daniel.
2: Take care. Thank
0: you again, Father.